with the draft finally over and the schedule finally out, we can really start looking forward to the new season. So, Tony, are you ready to do a dive through the NFC and Zelo 1.1? Absolutely, Tom. I can't wait to see what Zelo has given us in its first iteration of this season with the little data that we have. I'm pumped. Yeah, so for those of you who weren't with us last season or maybe don't, just need a quick little reminder from last season, Zelo in its preliminary phases is operating off of ESPN fantasy projections. So it's it's taking all the stats that are projected from there and then integrating them through Zelo so that you actually get the team predictions and then I run those team numbers through the the schedule and you get win losses and then from there you can sim- simulate the playoffs. So it's just a very very early look at what Zelo is predicting and obviously as we approach the season in case there are injuries or news updates as to like for example maybe Sam Darnold is not looking good with the Carolina Panthers and he'll go from the starter to the backup that will obviously change fantasy predictions and so you know Zelo updates with those and every now and then I go in through the computer and make sure those are all up to date but yeah so we have our 1.1 I call it 1.1 because I've technically for the past few months I guess I've I've had Zelo operating off of its old off of the old stats from last season with the players adjusted through free agency and then you know the preliminary schedule so just the list of opponents but no specific order but now with the schedule out with fantasy projections out we can finally look at 1.1 and see what exactly Zelo is saying so is there a division you want to start with in particular Tony I mean I think you know which one we have to start with the NFC West, of course. No, I don't. I don't, I don't think so. We gotta. We gotta save that one for last. Let's do the NFC North. I'm. I, I gotta see where the Vikings are at. Yeah. So a quick little overview for you guys. So the Vikings are currently favored to finish second. To answer Tony's question, um, <laughs> which is obviously a little sarcastic. Um, but the so the Packers are currently projected to finish first in the division now on an average simulation. They are getting about 10.5 wins to a higher threshold of like closer to 11. The Vikings are maxing at 10.5 wins and are averaging closer to, say, 10. And then, surprisingly, the Lions at just shy of 8, and then the Bears at just shy of 7. Do you like that order? Honestly, I, I really do. Uh, the Packers, I obviously think, are going to be winning the division again. Uh, I don't personally think that the loss of Devontae Adams is going to really affect this team all that much in the past two seasons he has been hurt in a total of seven games and that he has not played in in those seven games the Packers are seven and zero. so I do think that a lot of people are kind of hyping up this Devontae Adams you know trade uh as a as like a, a as kind of a loss of the team it's really not that bad so I do think that Rodgers is going to make it work with the receiving core that they have the rest of the team has stayed pretty solid. I think the defense is actually poised to get better. So I think that they are going to remain atop of the NFC. I am always scared of the Vikings. Uh, they they should be on paper really good every year. And a couple years ago, they were kind of getting to that team where they were looking really scary. And every single year for the past two or three years, there's been something that's happened. Something goes on where their on-paper value and their on-field value just changes completely. They look nothing like they should look. So one of these years, I am convinced that they're going to figure it out. This team is far too good with far too many elite, talented players to not figure it out. So I do think that they're going to be number two consistently. Now, the place where it gets a little fishy for some people is that three and four spot, right? Because it's always been, you know, kind of the bears of the three by 
multiple games and then the Lions have been dead last for quite a few years. But I do actually think that the Lions are finally going to be picking up some t- some steam. They've done some great things in that organization. Obviously, hiring Dan Campbell is something that I have really, really loved ever since day one. The diet of kneecaps, as we've joked about numerous times on it. <laughs> Uh, it, it looks like it's been working. They they only won three games last year. They tied another one, so not great. But by the Lions' standards, that is improvement, and I expect to continue to see that improvement. Now, if they actually get to eight wins this year, that will be surprising to me, but I do think that they could finish third, and I don't think they're going to need eight wins to get there. I do think the Bears have continued to regress this this season, and I don't think they're going to be anything special. Yeah, so I mean, like, t- kind of like Tony touched on there. So there are two important things to note here is that this is one, it's a very preliminary forecast. Like if you think the Lions winning eight games is outrageous, you're probably right. I personally expect that number to go down. Um, but but as of right now, my kind of methodology is that if you don't like a team and their projection, just knock a game or two off because what Zelo does is it simulates every single game in the NFL a hundred times and then averages out how many times the team won the game. So like it could skewer a little bit higher every single time than, than maybe it should be. So if you like a team and you think they're underrated, add a game or two. If you don't like a team, take a game off if you think they're overrated by Zelo. And then second, and more importantly, you know, I wouldn't care as much about the win-loss records because those are just so hard to predict. But instead, the actual order, I believe Zelo did a really good job last year of predicting the order that teams would finish in. And the only division that it didn't really do well in was the AFC North because the Bengals obviously won it in a really big surprise. Yeah. Other than that one, Zelo actually was extremely accurate. And we also have to remember, this is something that I have been stressing in the past couple episodes quite a bit is when we're looking at, especially the Zelo projections of how each team is going to do it's based off of the actual schedules and how it actually thinks the teams are going to do. So it's looking at real games. So a great team could be doing worse than a mediocre team if that great team has a much harder schedule. And I think the Lions are greatly benefiting from that because if you if you look up their schedule, they actually play quite a few opponents that maybe aren't worse than them per se, but they have a pretty good shot at winning. I mean, with the Seahawks trading away Russell Wilson, the Seahawks play the Lions at some point, that could be a win. Uh, you also have them playing in kind of a really nice stretch for them. They have the Giants, then they play the Bills. That's not going to be great. But then they have the Jags, and then towards the end of the season, they have you know the Jets, the Panthers, the the Bears. There's a couple of really kind of you know honestly for a a, a fan of the sport kind of crappier games because it's between two terrible teams. But for the Lions, those could swing their way, and if it swings their way more often than not, they're looking at potentially five, six, maybe seven wins on the season. No, I don't think eight is very crazy. I think it's their ceiling probably, but I don't think it's it's crazy to think that it could just happen. Um, if you go and look at the average win percentage given by Zelo, so through 17 games, the Lions are favored in, in a good amount of them, obviously, because they're winning them. But their average win percentage is 48.8, which is pretty strong compared to the Bears, who are 32. So, you know, the Lions maybe aren't a great team, but they have a an easier schedule than the Bears, so I think that's you know largely where that's coming from. Now the Lions are rated a hair bit better than the Bears, which is to be expected, I think, because you know the Bears are losing talent; they're kind of entering a rebuild, whereas the Lions have I don't know if they've been in a perpetual rebuild for a long time, uh, but they I, they got a head start on the rebuild because Matthew Stafford got traded, obviously. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think perpetual rebuild is actually the perfect way to put that. It's like a perpetual motion machine. Like, it's like, uh, once the Lions entered a rebuild, they'll never exit a rebuild again. <laughs> like, Until the great Dan Campbell knocked them out of orbit. Yeah, well, hopefully. Uh, we'll, we'll see. So right now, Zelo is giving the Packers a 53% chance of winning the division, and then the, the Vikings a 38% chance. The Lions are actually getting, weirdly, a 7% chance, and then the Bears are getting, like, a little over a 1% chance. Um, and, you know, again, keep in mind, those numbers do kind of fluctuate every time I re-simulate the season. So, like, sometimes the, the Packers have a better chance and the Bears have no chance, and sometimes the Vikings are slightly favored by a bit. Though those are, are few and far between just because the model does have the Packers. Even though they're a slightly worse team, the Vikings are have a little bit of a tougher schedule. Right. So do you want to dive in and actually kind of look at some of the 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 rosters? We can look into a little bit of it, yeah. All right, so let's look at defenses first because I thought this was something that, that's kind of interesting just because defense is, is, I think it's a little harder to predict than offense in some ways, like, and easier in others because, like, you you can kind of get a good idea of maybe the sacks that the team is going to get, but the interceptions are kind of crazy. But I really liked that the Vikings are actually currently ranked Second in the NFC. In just total defense? Yeah, in total defense. They're fourth in the NFL, second in total in, in the NFC. Now, granted, they were supposed to be really good defensively last year, and they definitely weren't, so <laughs> not set in stone. Um, but they're they're marginally better than the Packers, who are fifth in the NFC and seventh in the NFL. I I am a little bit interested in the Packers being so high. I do like that one. The Vikings have been interesting because if you look at them last year especially, uh, it's always kind of been like, oh, the Vikings with Zimmer are kind of you know a little bit more of a defensive team back in the day, but they have great offensive weapons, so on paper they should be a fantastic team. But if you look at them last year, they actually went 8-9, and nine, and a stat that I kind of like to use, I think it it portrays a team fairly well in just a general aspect points for and points against and the Vikings points for over the season was 425 their points against was 426 so obviously their defense wasn't particularly great they actually allowed more points than the Bears defense did by a slight margin their offense was just able to kind of keep up they were only 25 total points behind the Packers offense so that's kind of a a way to look at how effective they really were. This is mm-hmm. a team and they've just kind of gotten bad luck in a few games the past couple seasons. I think that at some point their luck is going to turn around and they're going to kind of break this, this stretch of bad luck and poor play and bubble screens. And they're going to win some games. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I'm a little afraid of this prediction for the Vikings defense being so good because it has them getting 17 interceptions and then um, recovering 12 fumbles and forcing 16, and then having just shy of 49 sacks. I mean, that feels like a lot, and not to say that all of that is, is derived like from the Zimmer system, but I, I don't think the Vikings are going to hit that number, just because I do expect them to take a step back without Zimmer. Just That's, that's me personally, because I really like him as a coach. So I do think that that is a, maybe a little bit of a, a high number, whereas the Packers, do you think that they'll get 20 interceptions? The Packers? Yeah. I think with the re-signing of Jair Alexander, ES- it's not going to not be outrageous. The ES- I think ESPN projects a little bit higher than they should for a lot of different players. So like I don't think that 
the Packers are necessarily going to get 20 interceptions over the course of the entire season. Maybe 15 would be a little more realistic, but I think it could be even less than that. Like a lot of our corners and safeties are not so much ball hawk guys, kind of like Trevon Diggs. They're more of just like safe, cover the guy, make sure he doesn't catch the ball. And if he does limit his yardage a little bit more, Mm. Uh, of course, you know, we will inevitably let through the random big humongous play for no reason (laughs) that I never understand. It's either we're on the guy like glue or he's running down the field with nobody within 20 yards of him. It's kind of like not much, but we generally don't generate that many interceptions in the past couple of years. So I would be surprised if we got to 20 or really even close. Well, so this might interest you. So the defensive ratings, I don't like ESPN's defensive ratings nearly as much as I like their offensive ratings. So I actually turned to CBS for these defensive ratings. Okay. So, you know, I don't know if that, that changes your perception. But yeah, I mean, 20 feels really high. There, It's not the highest. The highest is a tie between the Cowboys and the Bills at 22, which I, I don't know how much I buy the Cowboys just because I feel like a lot of those are going to be derived from how just exceptional that Cowboys defense was last year. And, like, there's just so, – so at some point, like, that has to regress to the mean. Like, there's no way that there are going to be that many interceptions on, on one player in particular like there were last year. So – I do I do expect like that to be not as good, but but the overall point is that, and I you know you can give us your value, assessment of this as a Packers fan. You know the Packers should be a fairly solid defense. On you would think that we would be. Now I I find I've found myself saying that quite often in the past few years, and we are trending in that direction. I don't want to say you know this has been terrible defense every single year. It was like the mid-2010s, that was a pretty bad defense. But we have slowly kind of gotten back into the game of being a top defense. Uh, I mean, we saw in the uh, playoff game that we lost to the Niners last year, yes, we lost to the Niners, but the only touchdown that the Niners actually scored was on special teams. So on the one hand, yes, they scored that special teams touchdown. That's a terrible thing to have. But on the other hand, the defense didn't allow a touchdown against that offense, and that offense is absolutely insane. That whole team is absolutely insane. So there are reasons to be optimistic about this team next year. I do think that they are going to be very, very good. I think definitely top 10, top five, I would be very happy with. I don't think they're like top three, uh, but I would be very happy with like a top seven to five area. That would be really ideal. Mm -hmm. You know, for sure. So let's move to um, the actual individual players on the on both the Packers and the Vikings. So Tony, your one of your greatest gripes with Zelo was not just that it didn't like the Packers, even though I I do maintain it was correct in that assessment. Um but that it was just low on, on Aaron Rodgers and didn't want to give him the MVP basically all year long. How do you think that Zelo has changed its mind on that and likes Rodgers a little bit more? Or do you you still thinking eh it doesn't like Rodgers? I I haven't looked at the projections personally, so I don't know if this is true. But if I had to guess, I would actually say that the Zelo is going to be significantly down on Rodgers simply because I bet all of the major like websites are going to be projecting him to be doing worse this year with the loss of Devontae. Yeah, so I don't think I don't know. Like, obviously, we don't live in a world where we had Devonte projections and then projections without Devonte. So I can't say exactly how down it is, but yeah, I mean, it's statistically down because the the guy's a back to back MVP. I think basically regression is just kind of expected at this point. 
but I still think he's he's expected to have a really good campaign. So currently he's projected to have 35 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and just over 4,000 yards. And then I, using my own kind of methodology, gave an expected 33 sacks to Rodgers for about 200 yards lost. And so that ended up putting him as second in the NFC, but fourth overall in the NFL. And that's kind of where it seems like he normally starts out with during the season. And he's never really number one, but he's always kind of there in the top five, top three area. So I feel like that is a fairly consistent place for him to start most years. But I do think that he's going to be, you know, kind of light the world on fire again. He doesn't have Devontae. But like I've said, I don't think we're going to miss him all that much. I think we have enough talent. And I do like when he's forced to diversify who he throws to. I think we're a much more talented offense. We're much more unpredictable. We have a lot more room for explosive plays. Yes, Devontae is still the number one wide receiver in the NFL, in my opinion. But at the same time, if you're going to force the ball to the same guy over and over again, even if you're Rodgers and Devontae, it becomes predictable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, I don't... So, I mean, one thing that we've kind of differentiated on is, well, is Aaron Rodgers actually efficient, or is he just... Um, you know, like, is is he being punished almost for being efficient because he's so good he's he's doing it with fewer attempts, and that's why he's not putting up nearly the stats of, like, a Tom Brady who, you know, hurled the ball incredibly deep and is currently projected by ESPN to have nearly 100 more attempts at passing than Rodgers, so that's, you know, why he's one of the best in the NFL because of that, you know, that seismic attempts, but it does have... Uh, Rogers being the most efficient. So if you look at adjusted uh, adjusted net yards per so adjusted net yards per attempt, Rogers actually has the highest value at seven point three, which is you know again highest in the NFL. And the only other person who's in the same stratosphere is Patrick Mahomes. So I do think that Zelo is saying that Rogers can expect a very good campaign, even if it's not statistically the same as it was the year prior. And that's kind of how he normally does it, right? Like, Rodgers has never been the guy who's going to break the, you know, attempts record in a season. He's never been the guy that's going to break the yards record in a season. And especially with the emergence of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, we're not going to be seeing any kind of extreme record-breaking numbers from him. He just has way too much room in the backfield to hand off. They're just, we're going to be a two-headed monster, especially with that backfield. There's no way that it's going to be like Tom Brady where you're throwing almost 600 times in a season. I don't see that happening, but what I do kind of count more, I would rather have a guy that throws it 100 times less more efficiently than a guy that throws it 100 times more less efficiently. So, like, I'm still taking Rodgers over Brady, even though Brady might have better, you know, quote-unquote numbers. It takes him way longer to kind of achieve those numbers. I'd rather have the guy that just does it better. Yeah, I mean, he's about, he's got better box score stats, but not as nearly as efficient. So you mentioned the running backs. They're currently the two most valuable pieces on the Packers' offense besides Rodgers by kind of a long shot. Like, the, the best wide receiver that the Packers are currently have is Alan Lazard. And, you know, are you sure that doesn't bother you? Because I maintain that it should bother you because as much as, and I know you're like, oh, I, I don't miss Devontae. It's almost like a broken up, like you broke up with your girlfriend. You're just like, Oh, I don't need her. Uh, she wasn't that great. Like she's she's not that great. Like oh yeah, she's she's with some other guy now. Yeah, that's fine. They're not gonna make it. But I got me. That's all I need. That's that's almost the vibe I get from you a little bit. And currently, by Zelo, Devonte Adams is projected to be the second best wide receiver in the AFC in a top five in the NFL. And you know he's like thirty points better than Cobb and Lazard. The this is kind of where it gets a little weird. 
because it's not like it's not so much that we have one guy that's going to be the guy because I don't think Lazard is going to be the best wide receiver in the NFL anytime soon, anytime ever. But I do think that we have enough guys that can consistently get the job done. It's Rodgers throwing the ball, and he's kind of the great equalizer. If you have a bunch of decent receivers, he's going to find one that's open, and if one's not open, he's going to throw them open. So I would rather have a bunch of guys that are on the same level and the defense can't figure out which one he's going to go to than have one guy that's better than all the rest. He's constantly double-covered. He constantly know that you know the ball's going to go to this guy in the big moment. It becomes too predictable, and that was kind of our downfall in that game against the Niners last year. We saw that there was multiple times. There's a lot of screenshots out on the internet. Alan Lazard having nobody within ten yards of him, but Aaron still trying to push the ball to Devontae in double coverage, forty yards down the field, and it rarely worked because they figured him out. You can do that kind of stuff against a mediocre, maybe even a good defense. But when you're playing a team like the Niners, when you're playing a team like the Rams or the Bills, those defenses are going to figure them figure out kind of what you're going to be doing. It's the NFL. Everybody figures out everybody else. So if you can be a little more unpredictable and have just deeper talent that's a little more well-dispersed and you have guys that you can throw to consistently, really spread that ball out, that is when this team is at its absolute best. And that's why we're 7-0 and without Devontae. Yeah, I don't know. I think you still sound like you when you got dumped. That was mutually like it was a mutual decision. Um, but let's move on from there. So I know one guy you've been really hot on is Jared Goff. How do you think he he's stacking up in the NFC? In the NFC, just in the NFC. Okay, so we're looking at sixteen quarterbacks in the NFC. Essentially, um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna put him at like I'm gonna put him at like middle of the pack. I'm gonna optimistically put him at middle of the pack, like seven or eight. No, I mean, you're not that far off. So he was currently, he's ninth in the NFC and 15th overall. Now, keeping in mind, um, the way I did this was I ranked quarterbacks first by their, their games played or games projected to be played and then ranked them by Zelo. So in actuality, he's a little bit lower than that. But because he is expected to play 16 games, whereas like Jalen Hurts, Drew Locke, Sam Darnold, Marcus Mariota, they're expected to split with their backups. Um so, you know, they, Jared Goff basically gets benefit of the doubt because he projected to do this over a, a longer length of time. Personally, I think that's a pretty optimistic finish for him. I don't like Jared Goff. I think that he's going, this is, again, as I, I've harped on repeatedly, this is the, the first year where his contract is really kicking into high gear, and I think it's going to cost him talent around him. Yeah, I don't think that he's going to be particularly great. Uh, he's kind of more of a maintainer I guess you could say like he's not going to be the guy that leads you down the field when you absolutely need it and wins the game Uh, but I don't think he's going to necessarily lose the game for you either last year he did have 19 touchdowns and only eight interceptions Uh, so I mean there's there's a little bit a little bit of reason to kind of be I guess optimistic would be a decent word if you can just get more talent around the guy I actually think that he would be okay and I don't think he's ever going to be like oh yeah Jared Goff is a top three quarterback in the NFL again I don't think he's going to be that ever but I do think that if he can just get a little more talent around him he can have a 25 30 touchdown season and maybe you know another six to nine interception season if you can do that the Lions are in a pretty decent spot 
Yeah, maybe. So going to, again, the stat that we kind of crowned Rodgers as the best quarterback in the NFL with adjusted net yards per attempt, he is a 5.24, which is, is kind of terrible. I'm going to be honest. If you sort by 5.24, you know, he is is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFC. Which I guess is understandable. I, you also have to look at, he had some bright sides, like his completion percentage last year, learning an entirely new system in Detroit. It was the highest completion percentage of his entire career by granted 0.2%. It was still 67.2. So like we always kind of say when there's a quarterback that's been traded or when there's a new coach that's brought in, we always kind of give that quarterback like one year of kind of the benefit of the doubt of, hey, you're learning a new system. We'll kind of throw you a bone. Honestly, learning a new system with a team that had as little talent around it as he did, he didn't do bad. I think he did above my expectations for what I thought he could actually do. So I'm excited to see what he can do in the next year when he's more comfortable, he's more able to throw uh, into these routes and to these receivers that he's developed more of a connection with. And I'm excited to see if he can break even a 20-touchdown season and maybe get those interceptions down a little bit. Zelo is currently projecting him to have 25 touchdowns, but 11 interceptions. So I don't know how that makes you feel. I mean, I don't hate that. It does give him quite a few, quite a few more touchdowns. And I guess that is improvement and 11 interceptions. That's, that would still put him at what his worst season of 16 interceptions, then 13, then 12. That's still not even put him as a, as a top three worst season for him interceptions wise. So I don't dislike that. It is the Lions, after all. They can't. It can't all be good. Yeah. No. Fair enough. I do think that Goff is one is projected to have like a huge jump in attempts. He'll be having five hundred and forty four, which is up there with Aaron Rod. Like it's just is a really high attempts number. I think it's going to be. The, I think the Lions are going to be asking him to do a lot, which is you know where the more interceptions come from, but of course also more touchdowns come from. Right. Um, so why don't we we hop on over? I personally we can we can do this more in depth when we do um, our deep dives on the individual divisions. But I kind of want to hop over to the NFC East and look at that division next. Go for it. Okay, so currently the Cowboys are projected to crack eleven wins, which will you know is is pretty significant in that division. And it, right now it's giving them a sixty percent chance of winning the division according to Zillow. The Eagles are sh- just shy of ten wins, so they currently have a twenty four percent chance to win the division. And then the Commanders are supposed to emphasis on supposed to should get over nine wins, but you know depending on the simulation, it's not as good. So they're about seven percent. And then the Giants are supposed to be just shy of eight wins, and it should get them about also a 7% chance of winning the division. So is there a team in there that you don't particularly like? Is there a team that is is really on the money that you want to look at? I think that, so on the one hand, when we're looking at like the last division, the Packers are projected about 10 and a half wins. The Packers are a really, really good team. I think a lot of people would also say that the Cowboys are a really, really good team. So then what's the difference? Why is it that the Cowboys are projected to get 11 wins, Packers 10 and a half? Because while that might sound small, that is a decent enough margin where it is, it's noticeable. And we also have to look at, if you kind of check out the schedules and you look at the strength of schedules for each division, the NFL clearly knows that the NFC East is a terrible division. And they, it, it's clear that they know that because when they gave out the schedules, one thing that a, a lot of people like to do is look at uh, the strength of schedule or basically taking all of the wins from the teams that you're playing from last year and all of the losses and kind of putting them against each other to get a win-loss percentage average of your opponents that you're playing. 
And the Giants, or the NFC East, is actually the four easiest this next year. They have the four easiest strength schedules. And the Cowboys are tied with the Commanders for the easiest. So I don't think the Cowboys are necessarily the best team in the league or the most dominant team in the league. They just have the literally easiest schedule you could have for this season. And I think that's where that's showing up at. So I really like where the Cowboys are at. I like that uh, Zelo has recognized their schedule so easy and they are a dominant team. So they're going to win and they're going to win by a fair margin. I really am excited to see what the Eagles do because I do think that uh, the Eagles are a really, really underrated team. They're the number one rushing team, as we talked about last year offensively. And I think that is something that a lot of people kind of forgot about. I'm excited to see what Jalen Hurts does this season because I do still stand on the take of Jalen Hurts is a better Lamar Jackson. And I believe that I will continue to stand on that take unless something horribly, horribly wrong happens. Uh, I am optimistic for the Eagles, and I do think that they are going to get second place. I would be blown away if they get first. Other than that, the Commanders, I think, kind of have a solid third place. They only have a solid third place because the Giants are just that bad. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, you know, we again, we can't really go into every detail of everything, and so I just want to give you a quick overview of kind of what I find the most interesting about some of the teams. So... What was your favorite take about the Dallas? This is a bit of a reach or a pull. What was your favorite take about the Dallas Cowboys running back room? Oh, my favorite take. My this is one yeah, of my you, you know this of all time. Tony Pollard is the running back one, and Ezekiel Elliott should be benched immediately. Yes. So, do you? How do you want to do this? Uh, do you want to wager that? Tony Pollard, why I'm bringing this up, Tony Pollard has a better uh, Zelo value or Zeke has the better Zelo value? Okay, I, I'm i going to say that Zeke has the better Zelo value simply because this is off projections and ESPN is going to give him the numbers. Yeah, so currently Zeke definitely has the better Zelo value. He's currently at a 102 while Pollard is at 83.4. So... It's a it's a large difference. Now, keeping in mind, currently Zeke is projected to get almost sixty more touches. That's pretty good, considering that again, like Pollard almost is is the Aaron Rodgers of of the Dallas Cowboys running backs, and that he's not getting nearly as many touches, but he's doing it more efficiently. So his projected yards, um, or I should say, attempts per game is is almost nearly five lower than Zeke. It's 13.75 for Zeke, so we'll call it 14. We'll call Pollard at 9. But his yards per attempt for Pollard are 4.8 to Zeke's 4.2. So what's happening is really just that Zeke is going to get demonstrably more rushing attempts. He's going to get probably to, to the tune of 60 more attempts. But it's going to yield less yardage, but because he's getting more attempts, he'll get more yardage overall and more touchdowns. So does that kind of track with how you feel about, about those two? Unfortunately, I do think that that is accurate. I I am of the mindset, and I know a, quite a few Cowboys that are also of this mindset. Uh, Zeke kind of took that monster contract they gave him, and, and I, I would say he took it and ran, but I think he took it and sat on the couch because he put on a few pounds and he really <laughs> lost a step. So I think that he is a really, really solid kind of third, third and one down and distance goal line back that you can put back there and he's going to run pretty hard for a couple plays if you really need him to and punch it in but I think that Tony Pollard is going to be a more versatile back he's quicker he's a lot faster he can really move on his feet we saw a lot of really really impressive things 
his patience is really phenomenal. He can kind of sit behind that O-line, find the hole, really get some good yards that I don't think Zeke can do anymore. He kind of he either hits the hole too fast and just thinks he can run through everybody, or he kind of sits back there too long and ends up losing yards. So I, I don't like him. I never thought that they should have paid him. I never liked his contract. I thought they should have paid Dak first, but that's a different story for a different day. As of right now, I do think that Tony Pollard should be the running back one simply because just like we were talking about with Rodgers and Brady, I'd rather have the guy that does it less but does it more efficiently, and I want to see him get the reps. Yeah, so I mean, you know, there. I think there is something to be said for Pollard also being more efficient through the air. So again, currently... Pollard is projected to get 65 targets, but Zeke does is expected to get 55 targets. Um, and then not only that, Pollard is supposed to catch more, so he'll catch 40 to Zeke's 36, and Pollard will pick up about 50 more yards. So yards per reception, Pollard will be will be 7.5 to Zeke's seven. They'll get the touchdowns will be a wash, and then receptions uh, per game is just supposed to be 2.5 and 2.25 respectively. And yards per game is about a little bit of an advantage to Pollard by about three yards or so. Um, and while Zeke does have the the higher catching percentage, yards per target, Pollard is is slightly better. And yards per touch, and I think, so yards per touch is, is taking both the attempts and the catches that are made by the two backs. Yards per touch, Pollard is supposed to average 5.4 yards per touch to Zeke's 4.6. Like, that feels huge. And so I feel like that's really kind of, not proof, obviously. Again, these are projections, but it's a really good sign that one using uh, our, our friend Devin's prediction strike, you should go buy some Tony Pollard stock. Um, but Tony Pollard is is I think the better is going to be the better back this season, which is what you've been saying for a while. Absolutely, yeah. It was like midway through last season. I was watching the Cowboys game, and I'd never really heard of Tony Pollard. He's still a pretty young guy in the league, and I was like, wow. Every time he's getting the ball, he's really kind of burying this thing and every time Zeke gets it he just kind of looks slow I remember a couple years ago when I was I when I was watching the NFL top 100 this is back when Eddie Lacy was in the league there was it was a year that Eddie Lacy was was on this list and the opening clip that they had for him was a it was a clip of Mike Daniels who at the time played for the Packers and now plays for the Bengals I believe as a defensive tackle and he said that man is one cheeseburger away from being on the offensive line and I think so that that's, mean. that's become a pretty decent take on Ezekiel Elliott. Now, I've heard he's cut some weight this offseason, so I really hope that he does come back because he would be awesome to see with Dak. They were such an explosive duo together. They were really fun to watch. But we just haven't seen it over the past couple of years, and Tony Pollard has clearly put in the work. So I think that he has definitely earned it. Yeah, no, I think so too. And I, I've, I'll be curious to see if that's actually what happens or if because Zeke is getting paid so much that he basically has to be the starting running back for, I don't want to say politics, but just because of the money being invested in him. But that's that's something that I think was worth highlighting and we'll look at in the future. Now, let's move to Jalen Hurts because I know, like you you already said, Tony, you are super high on Jalen Hurts. So last season, he had a completion percentage of about 61 for 3,000 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 9 interceptions. Where do you think he's projected to do what he what he's projected to do? I should say this year. I'm assuming we're just talking about passing. Yeah, just from a passing perspective. I would like to see him pushing maybe 64 percent completion percentage, 63 maybe, 3,300 yards. Let's say 20 touchdowns, 
and they're probably going to give quite a few interceptions, aren't they? Let's say eight or nine. Yeah, so currently he's projected to, so he'll improve on yards a little bit, but again, that's because he's, I think ESPN is kind of projecting he's going to play 16 games as opposed to just 15. He'll have about 3,377 yards, um, and then he'll only improve on his completion percentage by 0.02%, but he will have 23 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. So he'll be pretty valuable as a quarterback at 116.9. Now, my question to you is, do you think he's going to beat that projection? I think that he is. I'm I'm really high on what the Eagles have kind of done over the past couple of years. Uh, and I do think that the receiving core is going to continue to get better. I like Jalen Hurts. I think that he has a lot of potential. And I don't think that we have seen it all yet. I do think that he's kind of, he's still like the young athletic quarterback, right? Like there's always a couple guys that come in that are, are quarterbacks, but they're like young college quarterbacks. And whenever anything goes wrong or the play doesn't look quite right, their first instinct is just to take off and run. And I think that's kind of what we've seen from Jalen Hurts. And so far, he's been electric. He's been absolutely amazing with it. He's been kind of like a Costco brand Lamar Jackson in that aspect. I do think that at a certain point, Sirianni is going to have to sit him down and be like, look, dude, I know that you want to run and I know that you're really good at it, but We've we've have never seen a quarterback that's legs first and stays legs first throughout his career last a long time. And we want to see you last a long time on this team. And I'm I'm just curious when that point of like you have to start throwing and we're gonna coach you to throw first and kind of sit in the pocket, go through your progressions, even when your line's falling apart and make the throw, I wanna see that happen because I think he has the arm talent to do that successfully. Now well on that note, he actually is so he's projected to do really good on the ground. So he'll have 134 attempts, 727 yards, and if you if you can believe this, nine touchdowns. I I don't dislike it because it does seem like kind of more towards the red zone when the, the the field starts to get a little shorter, the defense starts to get a little tighter. He seems to be just like a little like a hair, just a hair quicker to want to run out, and that 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 seems like it'll, it'll kind of boost his rushing his rushing touchdowns, although I do think that if he were to stay back there, he can make some good throws, tight throws in the end zone, and really boost his throwing stats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he's currently projected to be the most valuable rushing quarterback, not just in the NFC, the conference, better than Kyler Murray, but in the NFL. So he'll even be better than Lamar Jackson. So I know, I think you, you'll like that as a take, Tony. Yep, absolutely. It's another one for the books of takes that I've made that I hope age well. Yeah. Hope being uh, being the key word there. Yeah, absolutely. So is, is there a team you want to talk about now? I know you, you're kind of a Carson Wentz advocate. Do you want to quickly look at what he's getting projected and make an assessment, or do you want to move on to another division? I'd be interested to look at Carson Wentz because he's the only aspect of that commander's team that I care about whatsoever. Not the defense? Not really. I'm. I, they have to prove themselves again to me. Mm, fair enough. Okay, so Carson Wentz is currently projected by ESPN to have a 64 completion percentage for just under 3,750 yards. He'll have 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and then my personal projections will have him taking 38 sacks. So I don't think he's playing a full season. No, probably not, unfortunately. Yeah, not just not behind that offensive line. Do you think that that is an accurate assessment, an unfair assessment, or a generous assessment? I think it's actually a pretty good one. I think 64% completion percentage, you know, that's not, that's not going to be the best in the league, but it's not worst either. Uh, 3,700 yards, again, 
know, the 4,000 mark is kind of like the the mark that we look at for a quarterback. He's going to be just under it. I do think that's fair. And I kind of like his touchdown-interception ratio that you have going there. Uh, it's not too it's not too much, but it's not knocking him too bad. Because I do think that Carson Wentz gets a lot more hate than he deserves. He actually played pretty solidly last year with the Colts. As scary as it was to watch at times, it usually ended up going pretty decently. And I kind of expect to see more of the same with the Commanders. I don't think he's going to be, you know, a turnaround corner quarterback that's going to be your absolute rock for the next 15 years or whatever. But I do think that he can definitely be a guy that can keep your team competitive and maybe be a good mentor for your guy down the line. Yeah, no, Wentz was was good last year until he played uh, Jacksonville in Week 18, in which he fell apart and kind of denied the Colts a playoff chance, and that's probably why he got traded to the, the aforementioned commanders. So where do you think he's ranked by Zelo in both the, the conference and the league? Ranked by Zelo, given those stats? I mean, I think he's kind of like, uh, he's going to be kind of like around Jared Goff again, I would guess around there, maybe... I guess based off of what Jared Goff was, a little bit better, but close. Yeah, so he'll be 7th in the conference and 13th in the NFL, which I think is interesting. I don't know how much I like it. I think it's probably a little bit too optimistic, but I know I'm a bit pessimistic on on Wentz. Yeah, I I don't dislike that. I think that's pretty pretty fair, and then we can just skip on the Giants because I don't care. Yeah, they're they're the Giants. They'll be fine. (laughs) Like, people are going to talk... People are going to talk about the Giants more than the Giants need to be talked about this year. I feel like we already have talked about them more than they need to be talked about. Fair enough. We said the word Giant at some point in the episode, so we've fulfilled our contractual obligation. Uh, Let's move to the NFC South, where there might be the most interesting take uh, in in the NFC, where the Saints are currently projected to win the division at a very strong 60% plus chance with an average season of just over 11 wins, so you know, again, anywhere between 11 and 12 wins is kind of where they should fall. Um, whereas the Buccaneers are only projected to crack 11 at their best um, with a 34% chance of winning the division. And then the Falcons and Panthers, you know, again, given depends on the simulation, like the Falcons will sometimes sneak in there with like a 2% chance to win the division. But uh, by and large, those two teams have a 0% chance to win the division, which tracks because I, I like both of them. <laughs> yeah. We lost you for a second, Tony. I said maybe it makes, I did. It makes absolutely perfect sense. It's a miracle the Lions are projected to do well at all, given your recent fandom. Yeah, no, the three teams I like, they're they're all pretty bad. And the only reason that I will have one team, I think, finish not in fourth is because the Panthers and the Falcons can't both finish in fourth. <laughs> hey, you gotta t- you gotta take your wins where you got them. Yeah, no, fair enough. Okay, so to get into the take, so right now, like I said, the Saints are projected to win that division, which I feel like it, in and of itself is an upset. But then if you actually go and look at the the playoff projections that Zila has put forward, currently Tampa Bay is actually favored to to beat New Orleans in the playoffs. It, which it, It's weird. Just kind of like, because when I first heard that, I'm thinking, well, what I would guess right 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 out the gate is that basically what they're saying is, the Bucks are the better team, but the Saints have the better schedule. And by that, I guess I mean easier schedule. So that would make sense and kind of explain it. But when you look at the strength of schedule rankings for 2022, yes, that is true. But it's by such a slight margin that I'm almost not convinced. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the fourth most difficult schedule. 
Their opponent's win percentage from last year is a .535. If you find New Orleans on the list, they're actually just a couple spots below, a little bit easier. They are the seventh most difficult schedule in the league with a .528 opponent win percentage. So it's there, but it's marginal. And I don't think I'm sold that it's based on the schedule. I think that Zelo, like Tom and I, are actually very high on Jameis Winston and that defense. Yeah, so let's hop into it because you're right. Zelo is, is super high on the Saints as a whole, but I don't think it's particularly you know crazy about Jameis Winston. So as a passer, his value is just shy of 100, which we like to kind of say that that's not a particularly good benchmark. And if you're a quarterback in the NFL, you should want to be 150 plus probably. So right now, uh, Winston is projected to get 3,492 uh, 3, yards to 22 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. And then using my own metrics, he'll take 40 sacks. Um, the Saints as a whole will take 43. So he's not a particularly standout quarterback. And what I think is is really buoying the team as a whole is, one, I think it's the Saints defense. The Saints are currently projected to have a, a really solid defense which personally surprised me. It'll be it'll be fourth in the NFC, but then sixth overall. It, it's going to be an incredibly strong defense. Projected to get 20 interceptions, uh, recover 12 fumbles, for 16 of them, and have 45 sacks. I, I agree with the defense. I think the defense is a good spot. The Jameis Winston thing, that surprises me on a number of levels, and here's why. It's projected that he's going to have a completion percentage of about 64-ish percent. 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That's all fine and dandy until you look at last year. He had a 59% completion percentage. This is all obviously before he got hurt. And it was in a decent enough time frame where I'm willing to give him the real numbers. It was over enough games where I do think it was it was a fairly decent kind of sign of how he would have done. He threw 14 mm-hmm. touchdowns and three interceptions. That is a phenomenal touchdown-interception ratio from a guy that we – I mean, the last time we saw him play a full season was the the famous, the infamous 30 for 30. The 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. He put him behind Drew Brees for a couple years, and just like Tom and I predicted, he still has the talent for the touchdowns. It's his decision-making that's gotten so much better, and that's why he only threw three interceptions. He had a 102.8 passer rating before he got injured, and that's with a 59% completion percentage. That's how good he was in every other spot. So I think that they're honestly being a little generous with boosting him 5% on the uh, completion percentage, but I think that they're really knocking him and underrating him on touchdowns and interceptions. I don't think he throws, you know, 14 interceptions. And if he does, he's going to throw 48 touchdowns. (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely was really surprised by that too. And so here's why Zelo thinks the Saints are going to be really good. So obviously Alvin Kamara um, didn't have a, a great season last year because he was like the one good thing on the Saints offense and all the teams honed in on him, especially after Winston got hurt. So he's currently valued at 108 Zelo points, which is really good for a running back in these projection phases. Uh, but but also the Saints are going to have Mark Ingram, who's you know chipping in 50 Zelo points. And I think the biggest thing, and I know you're going to hate why, and this will be interesting. Maybe you and Zelo can agree on on the end result, even if you got there in very different ways. Currently, Zelo is really high on Michael Thomas as he makes his rebound season, and so he's projected to be a 54 uh, point wide receiver, and you know be just shy of of 900 yards with five touchdowns. But the Saints also drafted standout Chris Olave, so he'll be a rookie wide receiver who's projected to do really just as good as Michael Thomas, if not better in some regards. So he'll have six touchdowns and uh, he'll, he'll just be over 900 yards. Now, granted he is, he's expected to do a little bit worse 
than than Thomas is overall because he's going to he's been given a worse catch percentage by uh, by the NFL uh, by ESPN and by a dramatic margin almost by ten percent. So I do think that that's interesting. But those you know those two wide receivers in particular are a very strong reason as to why Zelo is so high on the Saints. Well, yeah, of course, Michael Thomas is going to have a great catch percentage. It's not that hard to catch a seven yard slant every single yeah, time. I knew it. Every I time knew it. Oh, and every time you get a pass thrown your way, that's not that difficult. I could do that. So I do think that Michael Thomas, sure, he might put up a ton of yards, but they're going to be in really small chunks. It's not going to be impressive. It's going to be like he's going to be like Brady. He's going to have a ton of stats just because he's gotten a ton of throws and he hasn't really done a lot with him. He wasn't that efficient, but he's just going to have a ton of numbers to back him up for no reason. Uh, for people to suddenly say that he's a top five receiver in the NFL, even though I don't think he's top ten. Uh, so I, I do think that I think that Chris Olave could be the number one receiver on this team. Definitely the most versatile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's totally fair. And so that's, you know, that's why Zelo is really high on the Saints. And, you know, going over and looking at the Buccaneers. So Tom Brady, by no means, is expected to... It, it, he's not expected to take a step back. In fact, he's expected to be one of the best passers in the NFL. Again, 215 uh, passing Zelo. So he's going to be really good. And his supporting cast... Granted, I, I'm not... I'm projecting that the Buccaneers are going to give up more sacks because their offensive line, I don't think, will be as good as it was last year. But... Aside from that, Leonard Fournette is expected to still have a really good season as a 112 running back, so he's expected to have 11 touchdowns as a whole, nine on the ground, and then two through the air, which is is just really insane. Um, And then Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, the two Tampa Bay wide receivers, are expected to both be 60-plus wide receivers. They're both expected to get six and nine uh, touchdowns, and nearly uh, both of them should get over 1,000 yards from the line of scrimmage next year. So those two are, you know... a dynamic force. I think that just overall, the Saints are just a little bit better, uh, you know, and, and I think it's largely because of the defense. The Buccaneers, um, you know, the, the the two are essentially even defensively with the Saints having a bit of an edge and, you know, just that plus the prolific offense that the Saints are supposed to have with those two really star wide receivers and Alvin Kamara having an outstanding season. I think just by and large, that's really it. It's just, it's just they're slightly better. They have an easier record. Yeah, I do think that, once again, the Bucks are probably going to be a really, really solid team. I absolutely do think that. Yes, you have Tom Brady. It's not going to be because of Tom Brady. It's going to be because you have such a solid team in every other aspect. Your defense is phenomenal. He's got great receivers. You you, you did mention that his O-line is probably going to have regressed a little bit. I do agree. He's probably going to take another couple hits or two per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll, we're going to have to see because as he ages – you know, he's been, those matter. Those matter so much more now. He's been the ageless kind of wonder, but he's been able to do that because for his entire career, he's had elite O lines in mm-hmm. New Orleans or not New Orleans in New England. He always <laughs> had fantastic O lines. He never really got hit. Then he came to the Buccaneers, and the team kind of essentially did a one year rebuild. Miraculously, it worked just to kind of play around his strengths, which is just kind of dink and dunk, meticulous. I'm going to get the ball out quick. We're going to do it a little bit, and then the receiver is going to kind of do a lot of the work, pick up extra yards, and it's going to work. And it always worked in New England, and it, it seems to work in in Tampa Bay as well. But as he gets older, he's not going to be able to beat Father Time forever. He's going to take a hit that's going to put him down forever. And I don't know when it's going to be. Every year it gets a little more likely. And with his O-line falling off a little bit this year, it is kind of scary. Yeah, no, I think that, 
and you know, like I said, uh, I, there isn't good sack data that exists as far as projections go. So I went and I made my own. I, I devised kind of my own methodology, and it's not even that Tom Brady's defense is. I mean, offensive line is going to step back. That's why I gave them more sacks. I think just like because he's been one of the least sack quarterbacks for the past handful of seasons. That's why he kind of moved up. Is because at some point, right, it has to go to the mean. But I think in particular, I'm good about that prediction of, of 26 sacks 28 as a whole for the two for the two quarterbacks just because like you said I mean that offensive line is losing pieces is uh excuse me is losing pieces and it's aging and those two things matter a lot yeah it's it's going to be one of these years is going to happen and if he can make it through this year I really do think he needs to retire and, and stay retired for his for his own health honestly he's if if he takes a career-ending injury at this age it's going to be an ugly one, and it could affect him long past any any field days. You know what? I'll do. I'll do you one better. He can retire right now. You can go back to retirement. I'd be okay with that. Please do. Please, yeah, please go back to retirement. I don't need you to run the NFL for another year. Please go back to retirement. All right, so let's move on to the last division, and I think it's it's the most interesting hot take, and there there are two reasons I think this hot take is going to be interesting. So the Rams are going to finish in third, according to Zelo right now. So, you know, Tony and I, one of our biggest predictions that, that came true last year was that the Rams were going to win the Super Bowl. We've been on the Rams since the Matthew Stafford trade happened, but really in earnest it began in August when we, we made our deep dive predictions and, and had the Rams and I believe the Rams and Chiefs, right, Tony, making the Super Bowl? Correct. We were really close to that happening, and it would have looked so great. We looked so much smarter than we really are if it had happened. Um, <laughs> but so right now, the Zelo is fading the Rams a little bit. So Zelo currently has them finishing at nine point four and uh, and seven point six, with just a twenty percent chance of winning the division. Next uh, are the the Forty Niners in second at nine point four two and seven point five eight, with a twenty five percent chance of winning the division. And then the Cardinals are supposed to win the division at ten point three and six point six eight, with a fifty one percent chance of winning the division and then the seattle seahawks well, sorry they are supposed to finish with less than seven wins and less than a three percent chance of winning the division so i know you're not a huge cardinals fan but you know does, does 10 wins feel a little too bold for this team it definitely does because they have the second hardest schedule in the nfl and i don't think they're that particularly great like last year they had that kind of undefeated streak they really built a name for themselves. They looked like, you know, this team could win the Super Bowl. But one of the things that I think only after like four or five of their wins, they were still on their win streak. They were kind of in prime time. We actually did a show where I kind of came out and said, like, there's always a team every year that starts off hot and they never finish hot. They never make it to the end. And guess what mm-hmm. happened? They lose to a Packers team that was pretty much Rodgers throwing to himself and blocking for himself, and defending him pretty much everything by himself. And the Cardinals lost. And once they lost that one game, they looked like they had lost their complete identity. And yes, DeAndre Hopkins went down, Kyler Murray was injured, so those were obviously very important things. But even when they came back, they looked like they were a little bit of a step off. They they couldn't quite get back into what they were. And I expect that to, to continue into this year. I expect them to actually do pretty poorly, because not only are they going to regress as a team, they have the second hardest schedule in the NFL only behind the Rams. And the Rams having the most difficult schedule in the NFL is the only reason why I'm giving Zelo a pass on having them as being third uh, in their own division. Because I do think that that tough schedule is going to be difficult for them to overcome. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I think it makes sense. I think so. You know, in addition to why I'm willing to give Zelo, I don't know if a pass. Like, understand where the take is coming from. So one, like Tony said, the Rams have like the hardest schedule in in the NFL this season, and it feels really hard too. Like on just looking at it on paper without even Zelo, we both said, "Oh wow, yeah, no, the Rams could very much lose their division and still be a solid team that does that does really well in the playoffs. They just may not have a really good win loss record because of how hard it is." Um, but second. So one thing that is really is a really big uncertainty, and it happened more so in the AFC than it really did the NFC. It did happen with the Panthers, but we didn't really want to go into the Panthers because they aren't the most interesting team in the world. So Trey Lance by ESPN is currently projected to play and start in in 16 of the 49ers games, and he's going to have a 120 passing Zelo value as well as a really good value on the ground. So he'll be you know he'll be a, a 46 rusher, which is essentially like a lighter, a, a diet Pepsi kind of Kyler Murray. So that's why the Rams will be in second is because the 49ers are projected to be really good. Now, how good is that projection? And do I believe it'll last? Not really for two reasons. I don't buy that Trey Lance is going to start in 16 games and Jimmy Garoppolo is only going to start in one game. I personally think that it's probably going to be more like a 50-50 split and that if Jimmy isn't playing well, that's when Lance will come in or maybe Lance starts. And if he doesn't look well, then Jimmy's going to come in and they're going to try to salvage the season because this is a defense that is built to win now. It's one of the best in the NFL. But two, I also don't know if Debo Samuel is going to play because it's a it's been a very under-talked storyline, especially here on the touchdown rundown, because we didn't really want to get into a holdout story um, because it's just there's it's an information story and we don't have the information obviously. But Debo is currently holding out because I believe he either wants to be traded or wants a new contract, and he didn't get the contract, so now he wants to be traded. Well. ESPN did not really take that into account, so he is one of the most valuable players in the NFL right now. He is projected to have an ELO value of 120, which is insane for a wide receiver because he's not just doing it through the air, he's also doing it through the ground. He'll be a 600-yard rusher on 100 attempts, which is really good. His yards per attempt is above six, which is just insane, and he'll have six touchdowns, and then he'll have 903 yards through the air, so he'll have a four, he'll have over 14 yards per reception. That is just those two numbers together are insane, but this is a player we don't even know if he's actually going to be playing for the 49ers. He may not play a single game for the rest of his career for the 49ers, so that's why I, th- you know, I understand why the Rams are in third, but I don't know if I like it um, from that perspective, and then the Cardinals... They're in a similar situation. I'm hesitant to say similar, Tony, but they're in a in a in a. I guess I guess it's similar. I don't really like it. A similar situation. DeAndre Hopkins was suspended. Um, was it PEDs, Tony? Yeah, it was PEDs. Yeah, so DeAndre Hopkins was suspended for PED usage, um, and so he's going to miss the first six games of the NFL season. And so he he is a very down player. So if you account for those six games that he's going to miss, and you say, okay, DeAndre, you're playing, you're, you're going to play 11 games. He is currently a 60.7 wide receiver. But because I did say, hey, you know what, you know, you're not missing those those six games because of injury, I accounted for him as a 41.745. But that you know that value carries through those six games that he's suspended. So if you remove the six games that he's suspended, you remove him from from the Cardinals roster, their chance of winning the division actually goes down to 21% in a 9.5 team. Uh, and they're actually behind both the Rams and the 49ers. So I feel like, you know, again, I don't, I don't hate the take that the Cardinals are going to finish first in the division, but I don't love it. And those are, you know, the kind of the two reasons that I don't like it. I don't even think that they finish 
second. Honestly, I think they're going to regress that much, and it's not like they can bank on an easier schedule. I, I think that the Rams, with a the difficult schedule that they have, are a significantly better team than the Cardinals. And that should be enough to at least put them a game over them. So, you know, that should put them at first or second. I could see the Niners being first and second right there with the Rams. The Niners do have a slightly easier schedule. I think they're still top 10 in difficulty. Uh, so it's not going to be easy by any means. But this is a really, really solid team. Their defense is awesome. They're very, very durable. At least last year, they were fairly durable. A couple years ago, we all know the Niners were incredibly injured so hopefully if they can stay healthy i do think that they are a dominant team and like you said jimmy g is not playing one game he's either playing zero games or he's playing at least eight and there's not going to be much in between because they're not just going to say like okay here's one game and if you do if you do poorly we're benching you immediately and we're putting in your backup guy like that never happens it's either going to be we're going with the backup and we're going to make him the starter or it's going to be Okay, Jimmy, we're going to give you four, five, six games to figure it out. If you're doing absolutely terrible, we'll take you out after four or five. If you can make it work, I which I think he'll make it work at least through eight games. I think they're going to split, like you said. Yeah, I mean, you know, with the 49ers too, it's also dependent on how Trey Lance looks because Trey Lance looks really good. And I just, I don't buy that he's going to look that good, you know, from from the drop. Like, that's a really aggressive prediction for how well he's going to perform, and I, just, I don't buy it. I don't either. I haven't seen enough of him. I really I want to I want to give him, like, start him, like, four games in a row, and not mm. just, a, like, kind of, like, almost, you know, quote-unquote, give me opponents. Like, start him against somebody reasonable. Start him against a couple decent defenses. Let him get a little bit of a sample size, and then I'll make a judgment. We just didn't see it last year. Yeah. All right, so... To end the episode, the two hot takes that we talked about in the South and the West. So do you buy that the Saints will win their division, but the Buccaneers will beat them in the playoffs? Or do you buy it that the Cardinals will win the NFC West more? Take more by a landslide. Yeah, me too. And not just because it's happened before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that helps a little bit, I guess. That does help a little bit, but I, I can't buy the Cardinals. I can't do it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Touchdown Rundown. When we come back, we're going to do something similar, but for the AFC. Um, that'll be sometime this week. I don't know when exactly, but we'll let you guys know by doing a show notice. So thank you once again for tuning into the Touchdown Rundown. And, I, you know, I've enjoyed having you in the audience. Have a great night, everybody.